This week we're going to look at the hypocrites that were at the cross. Turn to your neighbor and say, you hypocrite. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, who are you calling hypocrite, hypocrite? <laughs> it's not easy to hear, is it? It's not easy to hear somebody calling you a hypocrite. It stings a little bit. Well, that's what the Pharisees and the uh, teachers of religious law heard in uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. Jesus said, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in, in people's faces. You, you won't go in, into heaven yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. And Jesus, he won't play him, was he? He won't pull any punches. Zig Ziglar, a, a famous for writing the, the book, The Power of uh, Positive Thinking, uh, said it like this about hypocrites in the church. He said, that's okay. There's enough room for one more. It's okay. We all have been one at one time in our life before, haven't we? We've been a hypocrite at one time in our life. Refusing to go to church because there are hypocrites there is like saying that you're refusing to go to the doctor because you're, you're sick because there's hypocrites there. Or, or because there's, there's other sick people there. Or saying that you're not going to get a lawyer because you've heard that there, some of them lie a little bit. Or you say, I'm not going to have any money at all. I'm going to throw all of my money away and give it all away because I've heard that there's some counterfeit money that's fake. And I don't want to get a fake $100 bill. I don't want that in my life. It's kind of funny acting. It's kind of funny sounding, isn't it? Well, for those of you that are, that are like that and you want to just... Throw your money away, I, I'll be glad to take your money. So um, anyway, um, I don't mind going through the fake and the uh, non-fake stuff. But anyway, Jesus said in Matthew 9, chapter 12, that it's not healthy, it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but it's the sick. Now, if you're a little sick, and you don't have the full-blown flu or anything like that, now is probably not the time to go into the doctor's office. The past couple of weeks have been really, really rough. The past couple of months have been really rough for sick people, right? And um, so my oldest boy, Aiden, has had strep throat. And um, a couple of weeks ago, my, my wife, uh, Amy, uh, decided to take him in to the doctor. And um, somebody is here who was actually there, so she can definitely uh, relate to this. But... So she takes him into the doctor, and you just have to know, my girl, she is a germaphobe, and uh, she does her best to be her mom, be the mom, the mother of my children. She does a fantastic job, but she's a germaphobe, and so she makes the appointment. She uh, goes there. And she actually literally has to talk herself to go inside the doctor's office because she knows what's waiting in there because it's what she calls a war zone in there. So she goes in, and she has to talk herself into it, and she tells Aiden, all right, we're going to run in. Then we run in. I want you to put your shirt over your face so when they run in, they run in really quick, and she knocks on the window and says, all right, I'm, my, my name is Amy Lancaster. This is Aiden Lancaster. We're going we're to go in because we've already got an appointment. We're just going to go in right now because we don't want to get sick. So she walks in, goes through the doors. Don't sit. She does not sit in the waiting room. She goes and walks in. She says, I, don't, I didn't want to sit in that waiting room and get sick, <laughs> but you just have to know her. Because she didn't want to wait there. So I say all that because if you're saying that you don't want to go into the doctor's office because there's sick people there, you're, that's a hypocrite. So anyway, any nurses or doctors in the house? I know there's a couple. I know there's one of them at least. Any, any nurses or doctors in the house? All right. Let's give it up for our nurses and doctors, guys. Good gracious. They have been through it all. 
We love you and appreciate you for sure for taking care of us and being in, in the war zone. And uh, but ushers, as they leave, if you'll make sure you sanitize those seats there for us. But uh, anyway, no, just kidding. We do love you guys. Um, any, any church that opens its doors and heart to people is going to have some inconsistencies. We're human. Just because we're pastors doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up. Just because you're, you're Christians doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. We're all human, just like everybody else, right? Hypocrites, thank you for that one, yes. Hypocrites are welcome at the church, right? Oh, wow, that was like four. Hypocrites are welcome at the church, right? Sinners are welcome at the church, right? Yeah, because we've all been one at one time or another, right? We didn't come in here saved, did we? A lot of us didn't. Hypocrites, sinners. Is that something that we're proud of, that we were hypocrites? No, but we're human. And Jesus was the only perfect person. But anyone who comes here who is insincere about their desire to know God is about to, or about growing toward biblical integrity and about um, entering into an authentic relationship with God and his family just don't last forever if they're not sincere and serious about it. You can't just play the game forever. You have to be sincere. Fact is, one of Satan's favorite tactics, as long as it has been, is to plant other of his followers into the midst of the Jesus followers with the agenda to disrupt and destroy. And we see it in Matthew chapter 27, verse 3 through 4. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they, they retorted. That, that's your problem. This is not repentance towards God. That was just he was sorry he got caught. Repentance is truly being sorry for what you've done and turning completely around and not going back to us. Judas, he was one of those attitudes at the cross. He was a hypocrite. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He pretended to love Jesus, love the Lord, but he really didn't. There are two things that we are to learn from this. One is to recognize what a hypocrite is. Now, I admit, I get really upset at this statement because there are so many consistent, sincere, hardworking volunteers, good people that go to this church. And it seems to be unfair to, to generalize it like that. But the truth is, like I said before, we can all be hypocrites at times. From the young Christian that's, that's afraid to admit struggles and afraid to trust to, to a long-term Christian who becomes aware of, the, of its strongholds but are embarrassed to admit it, try to hide for a season or trying to, to conquer it on their own power instead of depending on God and, and his family. Come on, we, we've all been there. We're embarrassed about the ways that we, we, we think others may see us. If, we, if they only knew the real us, we, we put on a mask to hide it, don't we? Be honest. Hypocrites, is, it's, not, it's not something that Satan just does one time and, 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 and you're over it and you leave it alone. No, it's not something that we say that we're, we're free from ever, ever going back to that same sin again. No, the fact is... Now, there's a fine line between struggling with sin and being a hypocrite. One is trying to turn it over to the Lord, and the other has a little, heart, little heartfelt desire to change, but is content with pretending. 
Jesus, he was tough on this one. He spoke often of, of religious leaders as hypocrites. In Matthew 6, 2, you see where it says, don't pray as a hypocrite. In verse 5, it says, when you, when you give to the poor, don't give as the hypocrites do. He was talking about pretenders and play actors and mask wearers. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So before we, we talk about how to address issues of hypocrisy, let's make sure we understand what it means. A hypocrite is someone who fakes something he or she doesn't have to get something he or she wants. Like those people who, who rent cars for their, their, um, their class reunion, just so their, their classmates will, will think that they've got it all together, but if they only knew that they're actually driving a beat-up Pinto. Come on, man. We've been there before. So Amy and I, we, when we got married, we test drove a Lincoln Navigator. Yeah, we, we used it as our getaway car after the wedding. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. We had a friend that was a salesman. Don't judge me. We, we, we used it. We treated it very nicely. We took care of it. After we, we went and, and shopped around for a little while, and then we, we, we took it back. Come on, man. We took it back, but it still had just married on the back. We forgot to wash it. So anyway, I'm going to probably reap what I sowed on that one one day. So anyway, you see, some people approach Christianity the same way. Christian life the same way they fake it at times they got their, their Sunday bulletin and they they know the songs they know the talk and they know the lingo but they are they never really experience a life-changing encounter with God now they want to be a part of the church but it, it's the thing to do it's the it, it's to their advantage it, it looks good in society after all responsible people good people go to church right they, they try to please their parents, please their mates, please the, everybody in their family just to keep peace. And look at the customers. Look at the customers that, that I can reach for my business. If I just went to the bridge, look at all these people that I can reach if I just went to the bridge. A hypocrite is someone who acts one way in one setting and in the opposite in another. You know anybody like that? Don't point. Don't throw no elbows. <laughs> Am I the only one here that can be fussing at my kids at home and all of a sudden the, the, the phone rings and I'm giving them a fussing and the phone rings and I just completely change and say, hello, bless God, yeah, I'm, I'm great, I'm having a fantastic day and then hang up the phone and go right back to fussing at them. Am I the only one here that can do that? Come on, man, let's be real, guys. <laughs> or how about you... Um, have been on your way to church maybe today, and that's okay. Maybe you've been on your way to church, and maybe God had something totally planned for you at, the, at church. He was planning on um, totally changing your life today, but, and Satan knew that. And Satan just comes into your children and comes into your spouse as you're, as you're going to church, and you're just fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting on the way to church. Come on, man. And then you, you finally just come in sideways into church, and you finally make it into the parking lot. You're late as usual, and then you go inside, walk in the door, and you put on the face, the, the smile. Everybody knows the smile, right? 
the smile that says, I'm really not happy right now, but I'm just going to play like I am so I don't lose it in front of everybody. <laughs> don't leave me hanging. Come on now. We've all been there. Yes, preach it. Yes, sir. All right. A third type of common hypocrisy and insincerity is a hypocrite is someone who repents on Sunday for something he or she did on Saturday and fully intends to do it all over again on Monday. Ooh, man, that one's done. Oh, man. I'm just going to pause there and let us think about that one for a little bit because we, we've all had those moments in our life where we've struggled with sin, haven't we? It may not be something that, that anybody can see, but we've struggled with some type of sin before. And that's okay. Maybe you're, maybe you're struggling with something today, and that's okay. You, you come to the right place at the right time, the right message. We pray that you can take it to the cross today. God still loves you. Even though we're sinners, God still loves us. We're not perfect. Nathaniel Hawthorne said, No man for any considerable period can wear one face in private and another face to the public without finally getting bewildered as to which one is the true face. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. It says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Come on, Jesus, tell us how you really feel, man. He wasn't playing, was he? He was very concerned about this. He was not, he, he don't play with this kind of stuff. And the second thing we are to learn from this is, number two, evaluate the sin. Don't eliminate the people. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the, the one that, that says that, that his whole agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. Our battle is against Satan himself. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You've heard this before. Easier said than done. But hate the sin, not the sinner. It's real easy to attack the person. It's real easy to attack the sinner and not the sin. But we have to. We have to look past that sin. Look past that, that, that sinner, I mean, and look at the sin itself. So there are two things impossible to evaluate. Number one, a person's motives. Matthew chapter 7, verse 4. says, How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your eye? It's easy to see hypocrisy in others, ain't it? And completely, completely miss it in ourselves. It's easy to figure everybody else out. It's easy to say, oh, oh that person's like this because they, they did this, 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 this. It's really hard to point, it's really easy to point the finger at somebody else. We know exactly how they act and why they act. But an even bigger mistake some Pharisees make is they don't stop at the motive. They go all the way to decide whether or not someone is saved. Number two, you can evaluate, you can evaluate or eliminate a person's salvation. James chapter 4, verse 12 says, God is the only lawmaker. 
and judge. He is the only one who can save and destroy, so it is not right for you to judge your neighbor. If I don't teach you anything else, if, I, if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. He is God, and we are not. We play God sometimes, don't we? We, we point fingers and say, they, they're this person. They're, how can, they're not saved. They're, they, how can they be saved this and that? He is God, and we, including me, we're not. There are two things we are charged to evaluate and eliminate. One, being false teachers. First Thessalonians, excuse me, 5.21 says, Test everything that is said to be sure it is true. And if it is, then accept it. The Bible says to compare what your heart, uh, what, what you hear taught against the word. Don't judge, don't just accept it. But do your own research. Find out for yourself if it's true or not. Do your homework. Find out for yourself. Number two. Simple patterns. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, The temptations of your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Amen. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. What kind of sinful patterns are you battling with today? We've all, we've all struggled with something. Every time you are tempted with a sin, no matter how good of a person you are, every time you're tempted with a sin, God will give you a way out every single time. It's up to us to take that opportunity, to take that opening, and that way out. It's up to us. It's hard, I know. It's hard sometimes to take that way out. It's hard to see that way out sometimes. We've all been there. And the only way to, to break that cycle was to take it to the cross and to take it to Jesus and to, to give it to Him. You have to hate the sin enough to stop it. Nobody can, can make you stop it but you. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people are there fighting for you, rooting for you, trying their best to, to get you to stop. It doesn't matter how many times you've, how many books you've read or how many things you've done, no matter how many rehab facilities you've been in, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's up to you. You have to want to break the sinful pattern. And I hope if that's you today. And I hope you'll take it to the cross today. Now for the challenge, especially for you Leaders and, and owners and those that call this church, the bridge, your home. Commit to sincerity. Be sincere in your walk with Jesus. Jesus gave his all on the cross. Why don't you give your all in your walk with him? There's four reasons for sincerity. One, hypocrisy is exhausting, ain't it? It is. It's much easier being yourself. It's much harder always acting. You 
You ever met a, a chameleon before? Not the, not the lizard, but a, a person, a chameleon. You know what I mean? When, when they, the chameleon changes personalities depending on who they're around at the time. Know anybody like that? They, they are, there's something around you. They're, they're this person around you. They act a certain way around you. And then when they get to somebody else, they act totally different. Know anybody like that? Yeah, we all do. You look at them like, who are you, man? I don't even know who you are. You, uh, around me, you're this person. Around that person, you're somebody else. Or who, who, you, who are you really? Number two, hypocrisy destroys credibility. It is a misconception that people lose respect for someone who is honest about areas of struggle instead of what happens is the, the respect goes up for that person. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are refusing to accept the truth. In most cases, those that are around you already know if you're faking it or not. They already know if you're, if you're, if you're just playing a game and you're faking it. It's not hard to see. You're not fooling anybody. Just be you. Just be you. Be who God made you to be. Number three, sincerity enhances your witness. Sincerity breeds confidence. It allows us to do our best, be our best, without being held back by guilt, shame, or fear of being found out. Over time, a person's true colors comes out. When the pressure is on, it's like a grape. When the pressure is applied, what's on the inside is going to come out. So is what's on the inside of what is what's truly on the inside of you what you're truly showing everybody on the outside or is it fake only you and God know is what's truly on the inside of you when the pressure's applied and people see the real you because the real you is going to come out is what's truly on the inside of you Really, what you're showing everybody, or is it fake? You know, non-believers, they're, they're looking at you. People that don't ever come to church, non-believers, they're, they're watching you, especially during the pressure. They're going to they're watch you and see if you're, if you're the real deal or not. They're going to watch you and see if, if you really practice what you preach and if you're, you're really saying uh, who you really are. Is, is that how you act during, uh, under pressure? They're watching those of you that know me know, know what happened to me and my family back in October. I'm not going to go into detail about that, but um, we were put under a lot of pressure. pressure, More pressure than we've ever been under in, in, in our lives. And, and we knew that there were some unchurched, non-believer friends and, and family that were watching us to see how we were going to react and to see if I was practicing what I was preaching, you know, because the real you comes out under pressure. What are they seeing in you? When the pressure's on, do they see Jesus in you? Well, I'm real too, man. I know. <laughs> There's some times where I lose it. It's all right. You know, I'm not proud of that. But hopefully, overall, when pressure's on, people will see what I tell everybody is what I'm, who I really am. But for your neighbors, for your unbeliever friends and family, may, you may be the only Jesus they see. How do you want them to see Jesus? 
What kind of picture do you want them to see of Jesus? And are you being that picture? Are you being that model? If not, take it to the cross. You can't wear a mask forever, which leads us to the last reason to be sincere. Sincerity prepares you for forever. Matthew chapter 13, verse 30 says, Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvester, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. In the end, what's good and bad will be separated. It's like when you, you have a, a basket of apples, and every now and then, you get a bad one in there. And that bad one... This makes all them real good ones look real, real bad, don't it? You know, it's the same, same way in, in this walk. Every now and then we get some, some bad apples or some hypocrites in the basket, and it makes the good apples look bad, don't it? Unfortunately, we see that a lot. God knows the real you. He knows if you're faking it or not. And he loves you in spite of it. He sees beyond the mask, and in the end, it will be easy to distinguish between the weeds and the wheat. Francesca Manastelli has a, a new song out. Well, not really new, but it was new to me. and um, It's titled, If We're Honest. And I wanted to read you the lyrics real quick because it goes hand in hand with the message today about taking it to the cross. This truth is harder than a lie. The dark seems safer than the light. And everyone has a heart that loves to hide. I'm a mess and so are you. We've built walls nobody can get through. Yeah, it may be hard, but the best thing we could ever do. Bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine because love can heal what heart divides. And mercy's waiting on the other side if we're honest. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Living life afraid of getting caught. There is freedom found when we lay our secrets down at the cross. So bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine. Because love can heal what hurt divides. And mercy's waiting on the other side if we're honest. It would change our lives. It would set us free. That's what we need to be. So, be, so bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine. Because love can heal what hurt divides. And mercy's waiting on the other side. If we're honest, you just got to be you. Don't be anybody else. God, who be who God made you to be, not who He didn't make you to be. So the question is: Are you tired of pretending? Are you ready to take the mask off and reveal the the real you, the the real you that Jesus knows, that loves, in spite of your your flaws. We've been pretending and, and wearing that mask for way too long. Jesus already knows the real you, and he died for the real you, not the fake you. Are you ready to be free? It's time to be honest. It's time to take it. Take your mask to the cross and be the real you.